0: Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to the Mike and Joe Strength Show, episode number nine. Today, Joe is unavailable, so you got just me, Mike, your co-host. And we've got our first guest today that is not from USD. How's it going? We've got Justin Baird, who was a soccer player at Northwestern College in Northwest Iowa. Did I say that right?
1: Yep, you got that right. Northwestern College up in Orange City, Iowa.
0: And is currently finishing up PT school at Creighton.
1: Yep, graduate here in May. you excited? Yes, I'm ready. We uh, Things got a little dicey there with COVID, but definitely ready to be done here.
0: Yeah, so what are you finishing up now with? Uh,
1: yeah, we're just out on clinicals now, so we were supposed to do a six-week clinical from the middle of may to end of april uh but that got pushed back so they basically flip-flopped classes with our clinical and here we are so we've done with all my didactic work so just chugging through clinical here
0: all right, and for all the people that don't know what a clinical is
1: what
0: yeah. are you doing there that's like the
1: yeah so i uh am working so i get placed in a PT clinic and I kind of just work underneath a physical therapist. Um, so, you know, at the end of each clinical, we need to be at a certain level, uh, holding a certain amount of a caseload. So right now, you know, by the end of this clinical, you know, it should be a 50 to 75% of a caseload. Um, and then that this clinical ends here uh, at the end of the month. And we go on to our first long one, which is 16 weeks. And then, Uh, That goes all the way to December. And then we start our last one in January, which goes to middle of April and then graduation in May.
0: So what are a few of the different types of PT patients you've been seeing through this clinical so far?
1: Um, So I am working at a small outpatient orthopedic clinic uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska right now. Um, And I see, am seeing a wide variety actually. It's kind of surprising uh, the clinic is smaller, you know, there's only uh, two PTs and one physical therapy assistant, um, so we see a lot of post-ops, so I, I've been working with a lot of post-op shoulder, you know, labrum repairs, rotator cuff repairs, um, a lot of back and neck issues, uh, hips, you know, just about anything you can think of um, I've worked with, uh, and there's kind of just a lot of surprising a lot of athletes that have kind of rolled through this clinic um, which i've really enjoyed uh working with
0: yeah is that the kind of route you wanted to take right was going yeah
1: yeah so that i think so um i'm still kind of feeling out what i want to do but yeah that's i think that's the route i'm i'm kind of leaning towards you know trying to uh I, i want to help bridge the gap between you know, where they are in the physical therapy clinic, because you can only do so much in the physical therapy clinic to get someone back ready to play and getting them ready, you know, taking them to that time when they're ready to play. So I actually had the opportunity today to uh, work with a couple physical therapists at um, the clinic I'm at. They have a performance clinic. Uh, You know, they have like a 75 yards of turf and, you know, 10 or 15 different squat racks and, you know, barbells and, Dumbbells that go up to 100 pounds, where you can really, really push and push an athlete. Um, but yeah, it was really, really good day. Uh, you know, it was really this PT I worked with was, you know, he's kind of picking my brain all day on certain things and why I chose to do certain things and the importance of looking at, you know, say for example, you know, you're working with a patient who's eight months yet or eight months post ACL rehab or surgery, um, and you know, one of the tests you look at for that is, you know, you want to look at their quad symmetry, you know, put a quad strength from side to side, left to right, you know, say their left, left ACL, but uh, he was taking my brain on, you know, what, I, what my thoughts were on if someone has the same quad strength on the left as they do on the right, you know, are they ready to return to play? And I honestly didn't, I said yes, but, you know, he, he gave me a really good answer, you know, because you think about it if someone uh, who is, Fresh out of surgery, you know they're going to be non-weight bearing. Depending on what was all repaired, they're going to be non-weight bearing for at least four weeks. Um, and that, say, say they had surgery on their left knee, left ACL. Their right right quad's also going to be atrophying at the same time. So he was saying, you know, we want that surgical knee, that left quad, to be almost above 100% of what that right quad is um, at the time. So just just a really good day in general.
0: So, how much of that is also trying to get both legs to their strength level uh, before the injury as well? Like, is there a
1: certain level you want to see there? Oh, uh, yeah. So, typically, you'd like to, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you'd like to have a baseline of what they were prior to their injury, but you're probably never gonna never gonna get that. So. You know, every PT, physical therapist has their own philosophy on how to rehab injuries, whether that's just hit, hit the one side really hard or hit both sides. But um, I'd say definitely yeah, you need to, You need to. my philosophy is, you know, strengthen one side, you might as well strengthen the other uh, in a situation like that.
0: Okay, so let's go, to, we'll do two different return to play scenarios. Sure. So we'll go with the ACL since we're, we're already there Uh uh-huh let's say so you get them post-surgery how far post-surgery are you seeing them
1: uh so there's a ton of different research out there right now on nine months is the goal their their chance of re-tearing or re-injuring or injuring the other knee uh significantly decreases after nine months Um, i don't remember what the number is off the top of my head but i want to say it's you know 10 to 15% per week uh, you go after nine months. So that's that's typically the goal of when you should be kind of hovering around for ACL as far as, you know, totally return to play. Because if you get them back before that, you know, their chances of re-injuring are much greater.
0: So we'll, what I was trying to get at a little bit is how, how many days after surgery are you seeing them? And i like, oh, your first
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Go through that whole thing. Um sure, sure. So um so right after surgery you can see them, you know, usually they come with a post op protocol, which, you know, is great for the first few weeks. Um, but you can see them. 'em, I've seen up to one, you know, it's close to five days after surgery, it just kind of depends on when they can get in and how busy the P T clinic is um and you're going to be doing it, it depends on if their weight bearing is tolerated you know if they can use crutches and kind of put weight through that leg or if they're non weight bearing at all so say they're non weight bearing cuz you know say they tore their ACL and the doctor went in and also saw the meniscus was injured or uh they repaired the meniscus they're going to probably going to be non weight bearing for a certain amount of time so during that time you're going to be focusing on Light passive or uh, quad strengthening. Um, they're going to be locked in a brace at zero degrees in both scenarios. So you're going to do a lot of, you know, quad strengthening, gait training, stuff like that, um, initially. And then slowly, as you kind of progress through, they're going to uh, they're going to slowly be unlocked more and more on the brace as far as how far they can bend the knee um, throughout the rehab, and then you start as as they go you'll start adding more and more stuff in and then eventually you're hitting that nine month mark and yeah yeah so i mean there's there's all yeah there's all sorts of protocols out there on the internet but uh it's kind of yeah i mean every doctor has their own specific protocol and like i said they're really good for you know kind of guidelines but uh once you kind of hit that mark where they're no longer using crutches and their brace is unlocked all the way, you know, you can kind of start to get creative with your, your rehab, which is where I think it gets kind of fun. It's definitely the same way in the weight room with yeah with, yep. with pre-injury. You mm-hmm. can really
0: find some fun stuff to challenge your athletes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So return to play situation number two let's say average joe goes and plays basketball two three days a week rolls mm-hmm. their ankle
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's immediate care um following once they get home and how long are you thinking that they need to sit out
1: oh, okay well <laughs> we can take this one many different routes but let's just say it's a mild sprain um but, you know i always preach so i have my athletic training uh Certification, so ATC, athletic training cer- certificate, certification. Um, so you know, it just depends on. Let's just say it's a mild ankle sprain. You know, you would kind of hit on this in prior episodes. You know, you're going to start with your PRICE. You know, your protection, your rest, your ice, compression, elevation right away. Um, and then you know, I always tell people you know you can take Tylenol. Um, try to stay away from ibuprofen, but Tylenol would be good. And then uh, just you know, until they can fully, you know, put weight on it and start, uh, you know, it just, it, it, it kind of depends. There's so many different scenarios you can do, but mild ankle sprain, you're going to start with like light range of motion. Um, and you're going to, you know, you could do like, have the patient draw ABCs with their ankle just to get that range of motion back. And then once they're at a point, you can start uh, adding in like TheraBand exercises just light strengthening stuff, hitting hitting the anterior posterior muscles in the lower leg, um, and then you know at a certain point you start you know doing cutting and more heavy stuff, more return to play stuff. Uh, just kind of depends. Depends on how how severe the injury is.
0: Yeah, so I bring that one up because that actually happened to me about two weeks ago. So. <laughs>
1: well, what let's have you see, been doing? Uh, what have you What have you been doing to rehab it?
0: Let's see. Uh, Our last PT student we had on, I immediately texted him, hey, what do I need to do to get back quick? (laughs) Yeah. But I think he just had me ice and apply heat make sure it was moving. So kind of along the lines of the mobility. um, Yeah. Directly after. Then keep it elevated while I was sleeping.
1: Yeah. And so I always tell people, you know, the sooner you can get back to a normal walking pattern, you know, without a limp, the better you'll be, you know, the more weight you try to start to put through that joint, the better off you'll be. Cause the more you protect it, the more that joint's going to lock up and the longer your rehab is going to be. Yeah. So i say the only time that I was scared to like
0: step on it and put weight on it was that next morning after I Yeah, just, I could feel it not feeling good at all. And then after a couple of steps, it kind of just grooved back in was all right.
1: Yeah. Well, like, that, that that, that, that kind of brings up another point that, you know, I feel is not really, you know, could be discussed more in, you know, athletic training or physical therapy or, you know, it, any profession is when uh, in the medical field is the psychological aspect uh, of an injury. You know, it's, it's someone could be, you know, I, I see a lot of these patients who are, you know, post-injury, and the biggest thing I get is, uh, you know, I'm just scared. I'm scared to put, I'm scared to fully trust that knee or fully trust that ankle, and so it it plays a, a super, super big component in, into the whole rehab, um, and once, you know, once they can kind of get over that mental block, you know, I, I hate to use the word mental block, but once they can kind of get over that hump, things start to progress way faster, you know, so so take the ankle sprain, for example. You know, once once you get them to a point where you know you think they're going to be safe, they're not going to re-injure themselves, but they're still kind of experiencing that mental block. You want to start putting them through, you know, say basketball. You want to start putting them through like some cutting drills, and um, <clears throat> you know, give giving them a basketball. And you know, say you're at, you have a you're in a gym where you can, you know, go out to the basketball court and have them run around with the basketball. You know, I think that'll that'll go a really long way and Getting them to trust that joint or whatever they injured again. That
0: is absolutely right. I think I I watched a presentation a little while back. I don't remember the exact number, but it's like fifty percent of people who don't come back from an ACL reconstruction is it's because of the mental factor, not because oh, yeah. they re-injured yeah. themselves. Yeah. Not because they couldn't get
1: back through physical therapy or strength training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike. Like I said, you know, as as a healthcare professional, there is only so much you can do, you know, and some people just won't ever be able to get over that block again because, like, those injuries are traumatic, you know, they're they can be life changing injuries, you know, just just something that you know, something to think about, you know, but because I, but yeah, I didn't cool, know yeah. it's absolutely
0: we, life in or life altering because you go through that surgery, let's see, let's take a, a rotator cuff or a UCL in your elbow yeah. like a baseball yep. player
1: sure they're grafting
0: sure. part of your hamstring and putting it in your elbow
1: yep yeah and like i said that you know those those guys that so that tommy john surgery you know that that is a significant rehab and, you know they spend so many months or so many weeks locked up in a, a mobilizer brace where they're not moving so if they can get over that mental block of you know if i put in the work now my rehab is going to be quicker and i'm going to get stronger quicker. You know that'll go a long way towards the back end it's it's the same thing as you know a lot of uh a lot of athletes you know they say you know you're you're on a college campus, you're playing football, you tear your a c o you know what do they do the athletic training staff's out there you know they they check you out, they get you into the into the athletic training room or clinic, and the next day so they they say, okay, go home, take care of this acute- acute inflammation." you know, take care of this acutely for a couple of days and then let's hit it hard, you know, let's, let's start working on your quads, you know, start working on your hamstrings, start working on your calf, you know, the more you do prior to surgery, the better you're going to be on the back end. I think that also plays into the psychological aspect, you know, because they start to gain trust, you know, that I can bend my knee, you know, I, I know I can do this, I was able to do this before surgery, you know, I can do this after,
0: yeah. Like, so that's even before that immobilization post-surgery? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that before, um, <clears throat> before surgery, they're doing a lot of, you know, quad sets, you know, let's strengthen, like I said, strengthen the quads. Let's start bending the knee. You know, the more motion we gain before surgery, the better off we are going to be after. And uh, you know, that can be applied to any, any, you know, basically any injury. Yeah, the more work you put in before the better you're going to be off after which is where i think you know guys like you and athletic trainers they have a, a serious role there
0: yeah so what so you said that clinic is also a sports performance facility uh-huh.
1: yeah so they have
0: yeah it's, it's one of their see there where it's um before surgery
1: Have you have you gotten one? Uh, So so today today was my first day over there, uh, and I actually didn't see you know it was all you know wasn't all post op, but there was a few post op surgery patients who were getting ready close to return to play. Um, Because this clinic is you know like I said, you could only do so much in a clinic if you don't have space to let you know patients run or or the weights to let people lift heavy, you know. So that's what that's where this gym comes in um, they hit a point where, you know, they can't do anything more and they send them over to this gym. But, um, I am working with a younger kid right now who, uh, kind of blew out his knee, basically, you know, tore his ACL and the other ligaments and a couple of ligaments in his meniscus. And he is slotted for surgery, uh, next week. And, you know, doctor, went to the doctor, you know, doctor sent to PT, um, for basically light, passive range of motion stuff. And quad strengthening glute strengthening hamstring strengthening calf all that stuff so before surgery so it's been fun kind of fun working with him because he you know he definitely has that kind of psychological block where you know he's scared to bend his knee because um, you know he the first time he did it when we got out of the brace you know he's pretty painful since he hadn't moved it in over a week but you know it was just kind of fun to sit down and talk to him it's like you know you're not going to make this injury any worse um, and just kind of talking through, you know, the more you do now, the better you're going to be off after.
0: Yeah, so what kind of got you into wanting to work with athletes through physical oh, therapy? Oh, gosh. Uh, like going so back I, to your playing days then? Yeah,
1: right. yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I I, feel like a lot of people that get into the physical therapy world have, you know, the, a lot of the same stories. You know, they worked with someone, injured themselves, ended up working with a the physical therapist. Um, who just, like, made a huge impact on their life, and, you know, that that was how I kind of got into physical therapy, but um, I've kind of, you know, had a passion for sports since I was young, you know, uh, played soccer my whole life, was fortunate enough to play all the way through high school and all the way through college uh, without suffering any major, major injuries that, you know, put me out, but um, <clears throat> working, you know, working as an athletic trainer, so I took a year off in between in between school undergrad and PT school and worked at a clinic here in Omaha where I was able to, you know, they, they had a heavy sports population um, and they kind of brought me on as a, as a tech, you know, I tech there, helped them out, helped out the therapist. Um, but I also got the opportunity to run an out, outreach ACL prevention uh, program. And that's what like really kind of lit my fire for sports you know it's wanted to help you know cuz you know a lot of these kids you know they, they specialize in these sports and we're seeing these injuries which you guys have kind of talked about this on your last episode these kids are specializing in these sports and we're seeing these you know 12 13 year old kids with massive injuries that kids at that age should not be experiencing you know but uh, so I, being able to do stuff like that like you know help help kids you know with jumping form jumping form is a big big indicator if you have poor jumping form you know you're more likely to suffer an injury blow out your knee you know so running that program really kind of lit my fire and like you know once they got the proper form down you can get really creative uh with what you like what we kind of talked about you can get really creative with what you can do with them yeah things like throwing um um,
0: unstable stuff at them
1: yeah what's that
0: like unstable stuff on a Basu, one foot. Yes. On yup. Yes. Yeah. Really, so really still kind so to trick the brain a little bit too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So once they get the basics down, you can go on to stuff like that, which is really, really what I enjoy. But so I'd like to, you know, even what, with what you're doing now, um, you know, you there's a, there's a niche definitely in, in communities where these, these athletes, you know, they're, they're, I mean, Sorry, wrong, There's a lot of clinics that get athletes 100% back to playing, but there's some clinics where these athletes are going and they hit a hit kind of a wall where you know they either run out of, run out of insurance visits or they um, just kind of hit a wall with their rehab. They can't do anything more. That's where like someone like you with what you're doing uh, over at Ralston, you know, you have a huge opportunity to take these athletes in and to really continue to strengthen them up before they're fully ready to return to play. You know. So oh, that was a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, that's something I, you know, I, I would love to get, that's what I actually would love to get into do, you know, because it's still, it's still, you know, you need, it's still a skilled service. Um, not any Joe Smo off the street could, you know, take a, someone who's say, hey, I mean, we talked to we're going to let's stay with the ACL You going know, take someone who's eight months post ACL and say, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to put you through all this stuff and, uh, you know, you're going to be ready to play, you know, you have to have the knowledge in the background, which is, you know, someone like you, your personal trainer, uh, you know, get pair with a physical therapist, which, you, which is what you had kind of been talking about doing, you know, there's a, there's a need for that in, in communities.
0: Yeah. I would absolutely love to run a one-stop shop for all of that. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Did a couple strength coaches, couple PTs together. Yeah. Let's, yes. Let's, that let's was, that would be, and, and be, yes. Real. Post I mean the space. The space
1: here now, would, yeah, it would be would be perfect for that.
0: Yeah. So sad news that space is closing down. Really. So I'm now on the search for a new space, which oh, will be no. will be fun Dude, for uh, the next week or so.
1: <laughs> interesting. What happened?
0: Uh the whole like little area there got bought out. The little
1: interesting, huh? The moment,
0: I guess you call it. So you, sure. know, you' tear everything down besides the bar, and <laughs> yeah, of so or something okay. <laughs> yeah but you getting a little so we talked about kind of challenging the brain a little bit. What have you learned through school kind of about uh, neuroscience and kind of the central nervous system, I guess a little bit
1: through, Oh boy,
0: through weight training. <laughs>
1: That's that's a whole huge broad topic there. Um, well, what do you what do you want to know?
0: <laughs> okay, we'll get a little more specific then. Let's say, so I've I've got seen a lot of older clients too that
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I see an anterior pelvic tilt a lot. Oh yeah, Your classic lower cross syndrome. Um, lower what? Lower cross syndrome. We've got tight hip flexors, tight lower oh, back. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Weak, um, weak hip extensors. Yeah. Have you learned anything to kind of turn that,
1: turn those glutes back on? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All sorts of stuff you can do. So that that's actually a super common problem with low back pain. You know, they're, they're super weak in their glutes or their uh, hip, you know, generalized hip extensors, which are basically your glutes. But um, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to, as far as like getting on back into a Re- neutral alignment. Uh, you know, there's stuff you can do as far as like it's called mus- muscle energy techniques. Um, so basically, you're going to be on one side. You want to work the quad, and on the other side, you want to work the hamstring. And then you're going to flip and do it the other side. So it's like it's like an isometric hold, basically, where you throw them on their back and you have have them go in like a 90-90 position, bring their hips up and their knees, so there's no hips and knees into a 90-90 position. And you kind of stick to your arm through there, you know, underneath one leg and on the, on the knee of another leg. And you say, okay, push down into my arm and push up into my hand with your knee. And that works the, the hamstrings on one side and the quads on the other. Um, and that uh, supposedly helps kind of realign that pelvis, get it, get it to where you want it. Um, and then as far as continuing to strengthen, you know, I think a really, really good exercise for hips is watching someone do a lateral step down off a box, like a box lateral step down. That is, that'll tell you so much information on where they're weak, where they're lacking. Um, And then you can turn that into, you know, if you're going for strengthening, you can, you can start by just having them do that. And then you can progress to adding weights and all sorts of stuff you can do off that. So I mean, does that kind of answer answer your question as far as
0: yeah, The pelvic yeah. tilt. I'm sure there's multiple methods on how to do this.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, um, there, I mean, that's that's where like the whole creativity aspect comes in. It's like once you identify what their impairments are, you can you can go endless routes.
0: <laughs> I think we've touched on it a little bit during earlier shows, but like everything you can do in the weight room will get you stronger. Will um, make you more explosive. Yeah. Eventually,
1: there's sure. just certain ways yeah. to go
0: about it that'll make it happen faster.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. So let me let me ask you a question here. What are your What are your thoughts on you know isolating a muscle and working the the crap out of it in that position? You know, like say say you notice there. You know, let's stick with the ACL. You know, they people are really weak in their quads after an ACL. You know, what are your thoughts on uh isolating that quadricep as far as doing like a a knee extension machine what are your thoughts like do you do you put your your patients through that or your your clients through that so you're talking more of like a just an
0: isometric hold
1: no well as far as like just just isolating isolating a muscle you know instead of working like a full body like 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 a
0: okay okay, do you yeah, ever yeah. do you ever do
1: that you know, like where you say you like you know they say you know i I want to strengthen my quads like will you do you start with like isolating or do you go into a full full body motion I
0: like to stick with as many multi joint exercises as possible. I want to see sure. good movement patterns, sure, typically, but i mean if if you can tell there's one muscle that's really weak and needs that needs addressed, yeah, mm-hmm. just go after that one,
1: yeah, well. So I, I challenge, so I challenge you this week to look at the research that's out there on, you know, someone could be, you know, let's, like you said, stick with the ACL here, you know, someone could be repping out a ton of squats, a ton of dead, deadlifts, a ton of uh, leg press, you know, a ton of weight on the leg press machine, but you think they're ready to return to play, but this is what I was kind of getting at with the, uh, quad symmetry. You know, you should, yeah, I know putting someone in an isolated position and testing a muscle or working a muscle is not functional, but, uh, as far as like that sort of rehab, you know, you need the you need, the humans are master compensators. Yes. <laughs> they will, they will recruit as many muscles as they can to complete a motion. You know, when something's lacking, something else is going to kick in. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, look at just reaching up on a shelf. Normally what you would yes. want is you would just want to see that shoulder flexion with the arm going uh-huh. up, but then yep. what you get is you get that shoulder flexion, but then you get a little bit of reach. So you got the obliques working yep. on the side.
1: Yes, exactly. And you get, you know, you, you typically see the shoulder hike, they're hiking the shoulder yep. to get more motion. And so, you know, that's why looking at the quads in the isolated position is so important. you know, have you heard of like a handheld dynamometer? Yeah, yeah, I've got. Yeah, you. yeah, So like, okay, perfect. So like, putting someone in an isolated, you know, position, a ninety a seated position, where they're going to just isolate their quads and have them kick out into that. That is how you get a true idea of where their injured limb is compared to their non-injured limb. Okay, but that makes it. Yeah, yeah that makes true yeah, sense then. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like, so like I said, like human, like I like said, someone could just be repping out stuff. Uh, with like squats and all this stuff but if they don't have the proper quad strength they're going to go out and injure themselves again
0: yeah good one i don't have any experience with the equipment but it's a i think they call it a clean pull yep stationary you're just sitting on two force plates one for each leg and all you're doing is trying to put as much force in the ground without moving to kind of test your legs that way sure
1: trying to keep trying to keep equal equal weight through both feet
0: yeah, also a good indicator of how much strength you have for, let's yeah.
1: say, just yeah. specific
0: to basketball that jumping motion.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's uh, why I also like kind of the lateral step out the box because that really isolates, you know, the hip musculature. You know, it, it's a good good workout for your glutes. You know, you know that'll tell you if they have a weak glute, glute med, glute glute medius, glute min. That'll really isolate those. Um, you know, just, just finding ways to put people in positions to isolate certain muscles where you think they're having deficits.
0: And that reminds, so that reminds me of something I learned just this week. Um, I like to use a single leg balance test with clients to just kind of see where they have. Oh, I yeah, had. that's
1: a good one. But yep.
0: then what I learned is you can drop that down and have them go single leg balance, but with your knee on the bench. So yeah. let's say you have great balance on um, but you don't trust it. maybe they're just moving a lot in that ankle to keep themselves mm-hmm. stable. Drop them down to that bench now you can yeah. tell that it's gonna be that hip problem.
1: Yes, yep. And that's that's exactly what we've been kind of talking about. Getting getting creative and finding ways to seek out impairments, you know, identify impairments and where where people are lacking. Uh, the body will the body will do whatever it can to compensate and keep you moving.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Carlson mentioned that at the U of M, they are trying to become the experts in movement. Make oh yeah. PTs, yep. expert in movement. Yep. I thought that was a great, great quote.
1: Yes. Yep. That's that's what Creighton. So Creighton was one of the first, uh, doctorate dpt degrees in the country so they kind of started the started that trend they were also one of i think they were the first for ot as well occupational therapy but um yes the from day one of our program you know there that's why we have the doctorate degree you know we're uh we're we're masters of movement analyzing when we're constantly constantly analyzing people i i mean i even do it uh do it we're just walking around you oh, know I've, I've seen stuff uh, like
0: that too all the I, time
1: yeah, I'm an- constantly analyzing the way people walk. Like I my wife Jenna, I always I'm always commenting. and he's like, Jenna, you know, keep your shoulders up when you're running. <laughs>
0: I'm sure she loves that. Yeah,
1: she she, she hates it. But <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but yes, that that is from day one of the program when we started uh two years ago. That's what they really preached is that's why we have the degree. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more referrals from doctors to, you know, where it just says back pain. If I, like a patient will come with a script from a doctor that says back pain, eval and treat, you know, so that leaves it a
0: hundred different things. Exactly. So
1: that, yep. Yep. And that, that leaves it to you with, you know, that's why we have the doctor degree to figure out what's going on. Whereas before, you know, I mean, a lot of times patients do come with diagnosis, diagnoses you know, they're pretty straight, you know, like, like post-op or pre-op stuff. Um, and sometimes it's pretty obvious what's going on, but um, sometimes they'll send a script that, like I said, it's just back pain, eval, and treat. And whereas before, you know, things have shifted over the last, you know, 20, 30 years in PC, where the doctor would, would send over a script and it'd be, okay, you know, this person has shoulder impingement, you know, and then they, they lay out exactly what you want to do. You know, it's was like, so work on gentle range of motion to start and light strengthening at three weeks. And, you know, you don't see much of that anymore. You know, that they're leaving like doctors, physicians are leaving it up to physical therapists to, you know, kind of do what, do what they want to do with patients, which is, you know, really awesome. Yeah. And with
0: that low back pain, with how many different things that can be causing it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not you got long,
0: it fit all for everybody and Exactly. I've had, I've had clients come in before. And say, "Hey, my back's hurting a little bit." Um, give them a certain protocol. Yeah, yeah. Immediately feel better. It's like, well, I can't believe that actually worked. Next right. Comes in with low back pain. You're like, okay, that worked for this guy. I'll try that first. And yeah. Just like, nope, this isn't. This is making it worse.
1: Right. It's. It. Yeah. The body's a weird thing, and. That brings me to another point, you know. It's like with exercise, you know, just because something works for one person, like you, you just said, it's not going to work for someone else, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what what's also kind of fun about rehab is you gotta give stuff to patients that's that's gonna make them uh, that make them excited, you know, stuff that you know they're gonna do at home. So if you give them stuff that's like boring and and something like they don't like to do, they're not gonna do it. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you probably can attest to that too with your clients, you know, if you give them stuff that they just can't do at home, you know, they don't have the equipment, you know, they're obviously not going to do it.
0: I think the one of the biggest ones I see is the difference between upper body and lower body strength where you can, I think most of the clients I ever worked with, they can, anything upper body I give them, they're good to go with. They're bench presses, yeah. any type of row, pull-ups, whatever. But yeah. then, then you get them down and let's say they just want to do a simple split squat or a simple lunge. And it's a, it can be a struggle.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause people always skip leg day. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm glad I learned to love leg day. That's my favorite now.
1: <laughs> yeah. You've been putting up some weight. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, switch routes a little more to the strength and conditioning side. What was your strength and conditioning
1: program like at Northwestern? Uh, so we went through a big old shift when I was there. Um, so they, they brought in a new guy who really changed things around. So Northwestern, they, my first year, we kind of had a not so great gym for our athletes, you know, it's kind of just your standard gym. Uh, but then they had raised enough money and they built this massive state of the art field house, you know, 60 yards of turf and this huge gym that could literally fit the whole football team. You know, they probably had 20 to 30 squat racks and, you know, all sorts of weights. And so our, our, our program went from, you know, okay. And to, you know, fantastic. But um, the guy that came in, uh, you know, he's a great dude, super knowledgeable, knows just about everything there's to know. And, but he, he, you know, didn't have the knowledge I, I, I take that back. He he was having us do things uh, like max out dead or max out squat like day before games, and you know just frying frying our legs the day before game. And we actually uh, you know the the captains were able to talk to him, and that changed really quick. To uh, we got halfway through the season, and we started implementing more recovery sessions. So day after game, you know we'd spend thirty minutes doing some yoga and rolling out. And then we'd spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes doing like light jogging and stuff like that. Um, and then in the off season, that's where we hit it really hard. Um, you know, he he was a big fan of supersetting things. So upper body with the lower body, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, it was, it was really good put on, put on some weight in the off season. And then I'd go, go run all summer and <laughs> lose it all.
0: So, soccer, there's too much running going on there for me. <laughs> I mean, that one day I played with you. I, don't think, <laughs> I had already played basketball that day. and then you.
1: Yeah, it was a big day.
0: So, I don't think my legs had ever felt worse after that day.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, I mean, do you want some, like, examples of what we were doing for lifting or?
0: Um, so you kind of got into the superset thing you yeah you, say you enjoyed the upper lower supersets like most of what i've done with myself or clients has been push pull so i'll do sure. push pull
1: upper body oh yeah push pull Yep. Push-puller. also very good yeah uh, yep you get hit hit a little bit of everything but yeah that's so, that's, so I, I'm eventually either going to sit for my CSCS or my ACSM cert, you know, just to gain that knowledge. Uh, so I think that that's a huge thing in the, the physical therapy world. Is like you know, like I kind of hit on uh, for this whole podcast is you know it's you have to be creative sometimes, and you know you have to have that knowledge to you know what know what to do with someone, how to how to preach or how to teach proper form. And so I, I yeah I, I'm going to work towards those those certs one of those starts here soon, probably uh, before I get a job here this next summer.
0: Well, if you keep listening to these episodes, you'll learn a little bit more.
1: Yes, sir. Um, I plan I to. <laughs> we
0: do like talking to everybody about their uh, experience with that test. Yep. So like, you said you've listened to most of them, so you probably got a good idea of where to start and get through that. Yeah. That kind of yeah. So me.
1: our our –
0: no yeah. go ahead sorry So yeah like well okay this is about second to last question i got for you um sure. is there a continuing education process with physical therapists too like kind of like there is with the personal trainer or strength coach yep that's his. yes
1: yep yes yep There. every two years you have to get x amount of hours sure what the, i, I want to say 40 you have to get 40 hours every two years um that (laughs) I shouldn't know but I don't yet but for for athletic training it's it's 50 hours you have to get 40 hours of just normal CEUs continuing ed and then you have to get 10 hours of evidence-based practice which you know those are you know yeah those are like certain of the the people that present you know do those presentations have to jump through quite a bit of holes or quite a bit of loops to get that uh, ADP credit but yeah, so yeah, it's, it's it's yeah. Every two years, you have to do X amount of stuff. But um, you know, doing stuff like get taking a course on like Graston or manual therapy or you know, um, dry needling, any anything you can take a course on counts as those. Yeah, there's, there's a those. whole
0: list with the NSCA for the CSCS.
1: Yeah, anything yeah.
0: From, I've seen um, injury prevention ones. I've done. I can't even remember. It's been a while since I had yeah. to but Yeah. There's our, a lot of our speed stuff, there's agility yeah, training, there's sure. female only training, there's anything you can really think
1: of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, our, our my athletic training ones were due in December. Uh and I, I spent a lot of time last year uh doing listening to concussion rehab stuff. Because, you know, that that's changing on a weekly basis. There's so much research out there on concussions.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm glad I'm sticking with the, uh, all the sports I've ever played. You don't use your head at all.
1: Yeah. Basketball, baseball, yeah. you're not
0: using your yeah. head.
1: Yeah. So how much <laughs> of
0: that do you see in soccer with the concussions? I know it's a, fairly a common in women's. But
1: yeah. Yep. So it, I'd say <clears> – <throat> I know there's a stat out there somewhere, but soccer is is one of the top uh top when it comes to concussions, and for some reason it's it's women more than men, but yeah, sorry You know, you're constantly bashing into people, and like those those soccer balls that you know the goalkeepers kick way up in the air. You know, even even something as simple as that can cause a concussion. Well, even right. even on a header, you think.
0: Like you see it while you're watching soccer games and they're just heading it like it's nothing, but that ball is yeah. not soft.
1: Oh, no, they, they are. I, I can attest to that. Had <laughs> a few balls in my time where it's like, oh, why did I just do that? But, I mean, oh, you see a lot of people wearing those padded helmet things, mm-hmm. you know, the headbands or the helmets. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think those do anything, <laughs> anything but, I mean – everyone has their opinions on them, but I think they, uh, give people a false sense of confidence and they end up going into something harder, like a header harder or a challenge harder. But that wearing that padding does not stop your brain from rattling or, or around in your head. <laughs> it's just like is interesting to see, you know, what, what the kind of the science is behind those, you know, the padding on the outside, you know, it, it gets kind of, I think it just gives people, like I said, a false sense of confidence and, not going to stop a concussion
0: well i think that's kind of similar with the uh the baseball helmets that little half flap you're seeing
1: yeah people
0: batters will start using them after they get hit in the face once but there's there's a very 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 minuscule chance that you ever get hit in the face with a baseball twice
1: yeah sure (laughs) unless you're the astros
0: Unless Joe Kelly's on the mound.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. That
0: was a fun day of baseball. I'm glad we got baseball back.
1: Yeah, man. The whole Florida Marlins thing is crazy.
0: Yeah, I was telling somebody that they should just drop the Marlins out, give everybody the wins.
1: <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a
0: quick seven for, for my Braves. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so the last question I got for you: If you could only do one exercise for the rest of forever, what would it be?
1: If I could only do one, like myself,
0: we'll say yeah, yourself or I guess it's a little too specific. Sure. So
1: so for got, for me, yeah, for me for me, I would I would say a Turkish getup. It's very very unusual, but if I could do one thing, that's what I would do. Because that, that works, takes, so it takes an insane amount of control to do. I mean, I still y'all you know, can't do that perfectly. My form is poor once I kind of get up to one knee. <laughs> but uh, that's yeah, probably what I would do. It, it, is, yeah, it is a full body workout. You know, was like, I like to put, uh, even have athletes do that. Um, you know, you start with no weight and just, just to get the form down. Like you start by balancing a shoe, you know, it's a really, you know, it's a good uh lumbopelvic core exercise you have you start with just a shoe on their hand and you say okay you show them show them the motions and you make sure they got their form down and that shoe shouldn't fall off their hand through the whole motion and once they have that down that's what you start with you start with reps reps there high reps with that and then you slowly start adding weight like i said it's a super you know it's a super super complex motion I don't and think if, you don't, had, if you don't, if you don't have the, one of my own. Yes. Yep. I'm still working on it, but uh, like if you don't have the form down, when you do those, you're going to end up hurting yourself. Same with any lift. But yeah, that's, I'd say that's probably the one I would do. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's also, you can almost use that as a an assessment tool too to yep. find yeah. a
1: weakness. Yep. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of gets into your, is it a strength issue or is it a con- muscle control mm-hmm. issue? But, that might be a topic for another day. <laughs>
0: yeah, so we'll finish up here. Um, me and Joe have been doing a top five every week. No yep. Joe, this week, so I have
1: you. Yeah. I'll throw you on the spot too. Yep. I, too bad he's not here because my number one is against his alma alma mater. <laughs> oh, not. No, I'm sorry. The the school, the Mount Marty, who he's coaching now.
0: Oh, I gotta. You don't even know what the topic is.
1: Ah, oh, so oh, that's right. Top one. five for the top five for the week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So soccer related though, so you will probably be able to get some answers. Mm-hmm. What are Your top five soccer teams to watch
1: play. Oh, easy. Number one, me first. Top, Tottenham Hotspur. Terrible, terrible, disappointing, terrible, disappointing season. But they still qualified for Europa League. Oh, did
0: they sneak in?
1: Yeah, sixth place, sir. They oh, snuck good. in there.
0: Also, Wolves dropped out then because Leicester finished. No, there? no, no,
1: no, not not Champions League. They qualified for Europa. Yeah, 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 so they, the yeah, they, they yes, yep, yeah, they jumped Wolves. Yeah. Well, oh, good for them. Yeah, just just barely. All right, so this isn't top
0: on my list, but the only Premier League team I have is Chelsea.
1: Chelsea, of course, I'm, Christian, I'm Christian Pulisic, every
0: single every single American Whatever they yep. get. So, yep. Yep. I've kind of became a Chelsea fan over the last twelve months.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Christian Pulisic. Hit, Pulisic. sick. He's killing it. No, yeah, he's tearing it up. Yeah. Um. Shad, oh, you want me to go again? Yeah. What else? Yeah. Uh, Bayern Munich. They're just a fun team to watch. I know you ha you're, you're not well, not, not the fan of list. Bayern, but they're on <laughs> my
0: list. Like I may so Dortmund's on my list because was it being there previously and then oh, yeah, I like watching yep. Marco Royce play? If yeah, never stay healthy. Yeah, same with no, well, I put Byron on my list too. Like, you just got to respect how good they are and like just how much how, just how fun it is to watch good soccer when they play.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, it's the way they move the ball, it's unlike, unlike any other team. Yeah, what's the third one on your list? U.S. National Men's Team, sir. Easy, easy go to there. That was my number one. Yeah, I knew I could have told you that. (laughs) But yeah, you know, just they'll get there. They'll get there one day. Twenty Twenty Six World Cup. You know, if it's Kansas City,
0: I'm going to try and go to as many games, even if they're not in Kansas City. Yeah, man,
1: we're we're literally going to do the same. Just be a fun time. Hopefully, they'll have their coaching staff under control by then, and. Yeah, maybe Jesse Marsh coming in, potentially. Been yeah, turning
0: it up in um, in Austria.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it'll be interesting, that's for sure. But hopefully, they they bring up some young guys. I bet the young guys from the yeah, the, the, ac- the developmental
0: I can, academy. I absolutely don't want to see Michael Bradley ever played. No, a national
1: team I can again. I'm I can so ag-
0: yeah, I can agree with that. All right, so what we got three years so far. You got two to
1: go. Two to go, man. I mean, if we're just naming naming teams, uh, I like to watch AC Milan. They're another fun team. Actually, AC Milan. I, I would watch Ajax over AC Milan.
0: That's true. They they always have good young players, and then uh, yes,
1: that 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 Champions League last year. Woo-hoo. Tottenham scored in the 93rd minute. My boy Lucas <laughs> to push him <them> through. <laughs> Talk about a roller coaster of a game.
0: I think Chelsea and Ajax had won the Champions League like that this year too. Yeah, where it was like, but Ajax two zero or something, and then Chelsea won like four three. Yeah, they yeah
1: they'd come back in a crazy, but yeah, that's starting up again here in a couple in the next week. I think they're on to they're on the Screw us 16 16 stage sure. yeah.
0: I'll, I'll go with I'd like to see Byron win that yeah well, I guess yeah. though uh last team on my league on my list is still alive RB Leipzig, oh. Leipzig
1: yep I was You've just like a real, that like real, to see real fun
0: style of play to watch too it's very yeah. fast a lot of counter attack and they've got an american so
1: mhm yeah you know they they look very good against uh Tottenham but yeah, right,
0: five and five, a little yes, overlap. So
1: yep, you know it.
0: That's it for today, then. Thanks for coming yeah. on,
1: Justin. Yeah, I appreciate it. I always uh, like to jump to the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I, I hope everybody learned something a little new today.
1: Yeah, definitely. Alrighty. Well, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. Thanks again. And everybody's listening, go ahead and subscribe and five-star and in the review box, tell us your favorite soccer team to watch.